Welcome to Unsupervised Learning, a security, AI, and meaning-focused podcast that looks at how best to thrive as humans in a post-AI world. It combines original ideas, analysis, and mental models to bring not just the news, but why it matters and how to respond. All right, welcome to Unsupervised Learning. This is Daniel Meisler. Starting off with a couple notes here. So seriously messing up on the gym, weights, walking, table tennis, rucking, basically all physical activity. I've only exercised like a few times in the last few weeks and I am feeling it. And uh, it, it's because I've been getting a lot of energy from work, but that is no excuse. And the only reason I'm telling you all this is one, to make sure you're not doing it. And two, so you can shame me. And part of that is because of all sorts of inbound interest for fabric, which is absolutely going amazingly. But I do feel the uh, lower energy and just like uh, just ickiness of uh, not exercising. So don't be me. And let's get into the show. So I uh, got a couple of essays here. Um, one, your work can only be as good as your problems are meaningful. Pretty happy with this one. It's very, very short, but you should go check it out. How specifically AI will 100x human creativity and output. And the way I frame this one is AI will solve the problems we have, not the problems we think we have. So recommend you check that one out as well. Right into security. Google's tag group says 80% of the zero days that it's tracked have come from commercial spyware vendors. So they've been watching 40 of these vendors and they specifically call out some of them. Cyforgate, RCS Lab, Intellexica, or Intellexa, Neg Group, NSO Group, and Veriston. And I'm noticing actually an interesting pattern here. The, the biggest threat to your data might actually not be the dark web, but actually data brokers, which are real companies. And the biggest threat from weaponized zero days might not be the random attacker, but commercial spyware companies, which again, they often sell things legally. So it's not the criminal activity that's most scary. It's actually the criminal activity that's weaponized into a air quote, legitimate business. And I'm trying to think what another example is of this. And all I could come up with is lobbying. <laughs> I don't know, maybe advertising, I'm not sure. Related to that, the U.S. is going after commercial spyware by banning visa entries for people known to be associated with the industry. America's lost a record $10 billion to fraud in 2023, according to the FTC's latest report. That's up 14%. And investment scams were the main type of this attack. And those were up 21% year over year. Cory Doctorow got scammed by someone claiming to be part of his bank, and he wrote a full blog post about it, which was very brave, I think. And uh, he described how the person had a really bad microphone, you know, he could barely hear him, and he mispronounced the name of the credit union multiple times. And then he goes on to say, he asked me for my full credit card number, and I gave it to him. And I'm like, why did you give it to him? <laughs> He's got a bad VoIP line. Like it, the phone call sounds horrible and he can't even pronounce the name of the credit union that he supposedly works for, but you still gave him your full credit card number. But it turns out he's like, <laughs> I already know that's the case. So it's actually kind of like authentication. The fact that it's such a bad phone call and <laughs> 
and the fact that he can't pronounce the name of the bank, it's like, it's telling me, it's a good signal. It's telling me that it is actually the right place because this is always the case. And I'm like, find a new bank. What are you doing? Um, but I don't know. I still hats off for the, for the transparency here. Right. He's like, look, I continue to talk about when I get hacked and he details a previous hack from a long, long, long time ago, I think 2009 or something involving Twitter. But yeah, happy that he's still talking about it. But at the same time, I'm a little, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Moving on. The FTC has officially banned AI deepfake robocalls. Curious how much effect this will actually have, given that most scammers are already breaking the law in multiple ways. But I do like how quickly the FTC took action here. Canada is moving to ban the Flipper Zero to address a spike in car thefts. The people who make the Flipper Zero actually say it can't be used to steal cars because um, basically after the 1990s, there's defenses in place to stop this from happening. I'm not sure that's actually true. I think some more modern cars are being stolen, but I'm not sure about that. But I do think I'm pretty happy to not be living in Canada or Florida, two countries where the government just randomly bans things. Only Fake is putting out really good fake IDs that you basically can't tell, or most people can't tell aren't real, and they're using AI to do it. I imagine they're probably going to get smashed by the authorities now because they just got instantly famous, but... Here come the copycats. FBI and CISA put out a joint guide to living off the land attacks where attackers use legitimate tools for malicious purposes. CISA revealed that the Volt Typhoon hacking group backed by China has been lurking undetected in some U.S. critical infrastructure and IT environments for over five years. A crowd in San Francisco attacked and set a Waymo car on fire. If you haven't seen the animated Matrix series, you should go watch that. Now, those were sentient robots, so that was much different, but it's got some animated Matrix vibes for me. A Chinese group infiltrated the Dutch military's network with a previously unknown malware strain, Coat Hanger, designed to persist through reboots and firmware upgrades. Impact was minimized due to the network segmentation, so evidently it affected less than 50 users involved in unclassified R&D projects. But that's the type of blurb to get updated in a couple weeks. And they're like, well, turns out. Not saying that'll happen. I'm just saying it usually does happen. Verizon accidentally exposed 63,000 employees' personal data. Someone actually asked me recently on a podcast, why so many telcos have security issues? I didn't really have a good answer, I don't think. My only answer is like lots and lots of employees and lots and lots of users because so many people, everyone has a phone, right? And then you have so many employees to be able to support that. And it's not like Lockheed Martin where you have security as a primary thing. So I think it's just the combination of like massive attack surface combined with average security and you get lots of breaches or accidents. Vulnerabilities, Fortinet vulnerabilities, Critical 10, I mean, what do I even say here? And critical releases for Cisco and VMware as well, up to 9.6 on the Richter scale. Technology. A study and paper put human lawyers up against LLMs for evaluating legal documents. It was, uh, it basically went exactly like you'd expect. 
So for determining legal issues, LLMs, and specifically the latest GPT-4, matched or slightly exceeded the accuracy of junior lawyers. Keep in mind, this is this is somebody with eight years of school. <laughs> They're like, it was only a junior lawyer. Now that's eight years of school. This is an actual lawyer. And it was very close to the accuracy of LPOs, which I think are like specialist lawyers who are good at doing this. Not sure exactly what that means. It's some kind of specific law review type person, I think. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so the worst part of this was actually, though, the speed difference. So LLMs did the work between 91% and 99% faster than the human reviewers. I actually thought it was going to be like 98 to 99.99% or something. But yeah, the high number here is 99.64%. And, you know, here's the problem. Who's going to get better faster? Right? Humans or, or this. And this seems like a good time to mention a piece of advice I've had for previously high status jobs that are vulnerable to AI, like lawyers and doctors and engineers. You want to build a brand and learn how to do your thing in public. If you can't figure out how to broadcast your expertise as a unique message and connect with people, you're going to get crushed. And, and here's why I think I figured it out. Many of these professions have one thing in common. They are based on collecting knowledge and experience into an education and then imperfectly imparting that education onto a human. That is the worst possible place to be as a human, especially if it's high paid, which means there'll be even more pressure to replace it with AI. So it's not just that, you know, you have this imperfect collapsing of knowledge into a degree, which is really hard to get. But they're paid so much that they can't wait to replace it with AI. It's like the absolute worst place to be. So if you are in one of these fields, you want to absolutely be moving to the human side of that equation. Llama now supports OpenAI's API format, which means you can now use the same code format that you were using to call OpenAI, and you can just swap out the, um, the API call from OpenAI to Olama, and it'll actually run on the Olama side. Sam Altman bets on AI creating one-person billion-dollar companies. So that's a billion-dollar company started by a single person. In a chat with tech CEO friends, Altman predicts AI advancements will enable a single person to run a multi-billion-dollar company. And they'll do that by automating jobs across various sectors, obviously is what we've been saying here for a very long time. It won't be one person. It'll be one person backed by, you know, 20 teams of like 100 people or 1,000 people, right? So it'll be like they have 20,000 people behind them. But those 20,000 people will be organized on teams, and those teams will be AI agents. Saw a funny joke here. It's a little bit mean. It's a joke, though. So basically, it says the most popular use case for Claude and Gemini is to compare them to GPT-4. <laughs> I mean, it, for me, it's true, right? The only time I ever see Claude or Gemini is on a list of comparing the efficacy of those algorithms or, or those LLMs <laughs> compared to GPT-4, and they're always lower on the list. So GPT-4 is always on the top, and I expected this to change months and months and months ago. But here we are 
I mean, I, I can't believe we're, we're saying this. Here we are over a year later and GPT-4 is on top. That's incredible to me. And guess what happens when, you know, GPT-5 happens? I imagine that gap is going to be even larger. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to being surprised here by something that Google or Meta does. If I had to bet, you know what? It's probably going to be Zuckerberg and open source AI. That That's probably going to be the move, but we'll see. Sam Altman is looking to raise up to $7 trillion. That's that's billion spelled with a T. It's pronounced trillion. $7 trillion for AI chip production. The plan involves a partnership between OpenAI investors, chip makers, and power providers. Yeah, yeah, you'll need some power for that. And they're looking to build new chip foundries with OpenAI committing to be a major customer. That makes a lot of sense. They probably want some of those chips. And I'm starting to think that you need basically crazy people to make real progress. Jobs, Musk, Altman, the winning combination seems to be an insane vision that is like really positive and beneficial and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's so distant, right? I mean, Elon's trying to take us out of the galaxy or, or out of the solar system. Not the galaxy, the solar system. Um, and that's difficult. And Jobs is trying to do whatever he did. And Altman is trying to, you know, reinvent humanity, essentially, with AGI. And uh, those are really, really big, distant visions. And then you have to be crazy enough to actually push for it and, like, not pay attention to naysayers. And speaking of that, OpenAI is working on two new types of agents, one that can control devices and another that can perform web tasks. So remember when we were talking about how AGI won't come from some giant breakthrough in a model? Like GPT-5 is not going to do it, in my opinion. But chaining together systems. Well, yeah, that, that's what this is part of. Think about it this way. What else changed together tasks on devices and on web browsers? Humans. Humans at work. <laughs> Human employees. That, that's, that's who does that. All right, speaking of humans, human section here. Mexico has overtaken China as the top exporter to the U.S. I had no idea this was, like, happening. I didn't know this was imminent. I knew it was a lot, but I thought China was, like, I don't know, naively. I thought it was, like, 2x or 3x. And I wouldn't have been surprised if someone told me China was 5x. So this this is really cool. So uh, Trump-era tariffs, Biden's climate policies... Uh, a lot of things are making Chinese imports more expensive, plus strategic moves by manufacturers to relocate closer to the U.S. due to political tension. So this is all adding up to be a good thing in my mind. Like a lot of people have said, the U.S. is very lucky to have oceans and uh, Canada and Mexico on its borders. Researchers have used information theory to analyze why box music feels so compelling. And I'm currently obsessed with Claude Shannon's information theory and how it applies to real life. And I got a post here on that. Wealthy are cutting lines all over the place, like at the airport, Disney World, ski resorts, and uh, talks about Tinder's $499 membership to ski lift fast track passes. And basically talking about how uh, rich people are living in another world. And I've got a little blurb on here, but I'm not going to read that. Gallup just showed that only 47% of Americans report being very satisfied with their personal lives. And this is barely above the record low set in 2011. And the people who are most happy are people making over 100K, people who are married, people who are religious, 
and people who graduated college and also Democrats and also over 55. Interestingly, three body problems. Audiobook is getting a new voice with Rosalind Chow just ahead of Netflix's adaption. I am waiting for this thing to drop. I cannot wait. It is February 27th that this thing drops. Not sure when the Netflix show comes out, probably after that, I imagine. But really looking forward to this. And over the past three years, Democrats lead with Black Americans has decreased by nearly 20 points. 20 points in three years. Similar declines with Hispanic adults and young adults from 18 to 29. Democrats still have a massive advantage with non-Hispanic Black adults with a 47% point advantage. But this is the smallest margin Gallup has ever recorded since it began its polling. Sin Port, definitely not a French pronunciation, a quaint village near Paris recently voted to limit smartphone use in public spaces, aiming to encourage more human interaction and less screen time. I imagine we'll see a lot more of that around the country, especially in the middle states. And a startling 46% of Americans didn't finish a single book last year, placing anyone who read at least two books in the top half of American readers. I think these numbers are wildly too high <laughs> due to the book version of preference falsification. But maybe if we're counting like comic books, true crime, romance, and that kind of stuff, we get close to 50%. But I'd love to see the number for not true crime and, you know, purely nonfiction books. I bet that's closer to the 10% of Americans who've read a book. Ideas and analysis. All right, this one is political, so feel free to jump out of this episode or just skip ahead and get into the discovery stuff and some other stuff, you know, before that. But this little piece here is going to be political. All right. How to elect Donald Trump in 2024. I've said it a dozen times already, uh, starting basically right when Trump left office, but I'm going to say it again here on the off chance that there's anyone that's reachable because they're not too polarized. If Trump gets elected, it will be due to catastrophic democratic mistakes. It won't be Trump. Trump is easy to beat. It'll be the left assassinating itself. All you have to do to be Trump is to not be so extreme in your liberal views. Not sure what I mean here. I'll make an actual list. Here's how to get Trump elected. Say the U.S. is a horribly unfair and racist country, despite the fact that non-white immigrants want to come here more than anywhere because it's the most meritocratic place on the planet. Next one, say white supremacy is worse than it's ever been. Next one, say Jewish people are the most evil and entitled white people and that they deserved what happened in Gaza. Next one, say any raising of illegal immigration as an issue makes you a racist. And finally, say that rich people are the source of all our problems. Say those things and be really loud about them and you elect Trump. Or to put it another way, all a Democratic candidate would have to do to beat Trump would be to take away those weapons, to get rid of that rhetoric. So on the counter side, here's four things that they could say to beat Trump easily. And they could still be liberals while doing this. So like me, I am an actual liberal and, uh, or, or I used to be, I'm progressive. Now, now I'm in like the center, right? But I used to be liberal. I've always voted Democratic. 
But here's what you could actually say to win the center and actually, no, probably not the, you can't win any extreme left with this, but you can get a lot of the right and a lot of the center and basically crush Trump if we just came out and said the following things. First, yes, the Republicans are right about illegal immigration. It's bad. We're addressing it. We're boosting the border patrol by whatever X amount and increasing enforcement on criminals here illegally by X amount, some, you know, major number. We're also opening up more legal immigration because our immigrants are awesome and they make great Americans. So we don't have to purge the liberal side. We don't have to be illiberal. We don't have to become Republicans. We can have both. Okay. So next one. No. America is not a horrible country. It's actually one of the best countries in the world. It's not the best because we've made no mistakes. It's the best because we try really hard to fix them and to become the country we've always wanted to be. And we continue to make progress. Don't believe me? Let's look at the actual numbers. Let's look at China. Let's look at Latin America. Let's look at most countries in Africa. Are they anywhere near as open to minorities as the U.S.? How many religious minorities do they have in political office? How many women? How many LGBTQ people? Racial minorities? How about those same groups, not just doing politics, but running businesses? How do those numbers compare to the US? Then you actually show the numbers, right? Then you bring out the charts and it will show that we have the most diverse political and business leaders anywhere in the world. And you look at the camera and you say, we lead the world in lifting people of all groups and cultures to the highest levels in our political and business societies. Be proud of that. So we massively push back on this anti-US bullshit, which is happening right now. That absolutely needs to happen. Otherwise, you just give elections away to the right who are actually saying positive things about the country. Now, of course, the extreme right is like, oh, we've never made any mistakes. We're awesome. Everything is perfect. Let's go back to, you know, racism. Let's go back to when there was only white people. Obviously, that's ridiculous too, right? You don't have to go fringe in order to counter the other side. Let's find, you know, a happy place. Next one. There's nothing wrong with being rich or successful. Here in America, we look up to that. We always have, and it's okay to do so. But we also believe that becoming successful has a lot of luck in it. The luck of good parents or the luck of learning the value of grit, discipline, and hard work at any age, or the luck of being super smart or knowing the right people. That does not take away the extremely hard work it takes to become successful, but it does give the successful a responsibility not to give away what they've earned, but to invest some of it into those who weren't so lucky. So they can also work hard and become successful as well. And the last one, it's time to be done with cancel culture. It served a good and necessary purpose when we got rid of people like Harvey Weinstein. And we need to continue to stay vigilant against that type of trash across our entire society, all levels of society, continuously, forever. It was a good thing. Cancel culture. It worked. It was awesome right? But people are flawed and people can change. And we've all known somebody who's a good person who's done something shameful that they regret. It's up to us to know the difference 
between those people and the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. And it's also up to us to stop treating them like they're the same. Enough. So this is very simple. Say those four things and you beat Donald Trump by like 10 to 30%. I mean, you don't even have to be a Democrat to do that. It, like it, this shouldn't even be a Democrat Republican thing. Any candidate should get up here and say these things because these things are both the best of the left and the right. It's a hybrid, right? That, that, that's what these four policy statements are. They're hybrids that the country actually wants. This is what people actually want to hear. And this is what people actually want to see a leader carry out, right? So whoever it is on whatever side of the aisle, they say this, they're going to beat Trump. And importantly, Biden could say this and beat Trump. So yeah, say these things, you beat him by like 10 to 30% or, or you could continue on with the self-hate and you will find out just how tired the country is with wokeism. In other words, Trump could easily win by five to 20%, you know, 10 to 25%. And that would just be a countrywide message to the extreme left that it no longer wants what they're selling. All right. End of politics. You can come back now. Notes. Super excited for the second part of Dune. Like I said, I can't wait for the three body problem series. Got a couple of talks I'm flying into in the next couple of months. Looking forward to using the Apple Vision Pro on a plane. A lot of people are saying it makes it makes economy feel much, much bigger. <laughs> like Economy Plus makes it feel much bigger. I've actually had the uh, privilege to not be flying economy. And in a lot of situations, I'm actually trying to get people who pay for the talks to go in for a, uh, a business ticket. Um, I don't always do that, but I, I try to always do that. And, uh, that's going to be fun to do, uh, with AVP, but I, I'm also looking forward to when I do fly economy or economy plus you put this thing on and it feels like you're just in this massive, like open scene. And I guess it makes sense because like claustrophobia, a lot of things that it's mental, right? You feel caged in, you feel boxed in, but maybe if you have this thing on your face that makes you, uh, feel like you're on the side of a lake in a giant, you know, mountain valley then you won't feel that at all. And that's what a lot of people are saying. So looking forward to that. And once again, I really need to get back to table tennis and the gym and wrecking. Reminder to self. Okay. Discovery. Pseudo for Windows. Elevate commands without a new console by Jordi Outermy. Too long terminal app for log viewing and management by Textualize. An extraordinary EDM set by my now favorite artist of this genre called Closey. I think I've talked about her before, but she is amazing. Got a tweet here that is a pretty amazing AI stack for February of 2024. This is by Stan Girard. He says, my current OSS go-to stack. Subbase for DB auth storage real-time. Langchain AI for building RAG pipelines. PostHog for analytics, FastAPI for the backend, Next.js for the front end, Resend for the emails, LightLLM for LLMs compatibility, and Olama for something else. And it actually goes on and on. So worth clicking on and checking out. Next one, in an AI world, only identity matters. A great essay about the problems of identifying who's doing what in a world full of gen AI. And this is by Caleb Sima. 
Required Security Changes for Security AI Agents by Joseph Thacker. Jess Weinstein is excited about Stripe building new zero to one products such as support as a service. OKRs are bull, you know what? Simple precision time protocol at Meta. TikTok is destroying itself from the inside out. How levels.fyi scale to millions of users with Google Sheets as a backend. Wire cutter content is now freely accessible through Apple News. Might have to check that out again. Applying threat intelligence to the diamond model of intrusion analysis. OPML is underrated. The world is awful. The world is much better. The world can be much better. And YouTube now supports uploading podcasting RSS feeds, which means if you used to have an audio podcast, or you still do, like I do, you can automatically publish your stuff on YouTube when it goes live in the audio version. And parse, don't validate. And the recommendation of the week, think about the problems you're working on and ask yourself if they're worth years of your attention. There are lots of layoffs right now, so I'm not recommending you go quit your job next week to find beautiful problems, right? But I am recommending that you start thinking about it. Specifically, if the universe is conspiring against us to like lay us off or make it hard to find a job, you might as well make the next one a place where you deeply care about the problems and the solution. And there are a million benefits of this, which I talk about in the essay uh, up above, but one is also that you're far more likely to shine at work and thus be non-replaceable if you are deeply motivated by the mission. And the aphorism for the week, your work can only be as good as your problems are meaningful. Your work can only be as good as your problems are meaningful. Unsupervised Learning is produced and edited by Daniel Meisler on a Neumann U87AI microphone using Hindenburg. Intro and outro music is by Zombie with a Y. And to get the text and links from this episode, sign up for the newsletter version of the show at danielmeisler.com newsletter. We'll see you next time.